class. Okay, bye, see ya. <laughs> that one's mine, by the way, in case you didn't know. Um, my name's Micah, and uh, I'm the pastor here at Solstice, and uh, we would love to, at this time, uh, we're going to continue in worship. We're going to receive our offering for the evening. Uh, there's offering bags on the chairs here. If they're near you, you can grab them, pass them to the sides, and uh, if you get them at the end of the rows, you can hang on to those. You are our ushers for this evening. You didn't know that we were going to ask you to do anything at church, but we're going to ask you to bring those up during our closing set of worship, and that would be great. We'd appreciate that. You know, um... Big news, obviously, if you missed last week and you are not connected to the interwebs or Googles or anything like that, um, we, uh, I shared last week that uh, we have some plans in, in store and some changes that are coming for Solstice. Uh, and so tonight is kind of a Q&A uh, in relation to that. And so if you missed last night, basically if I could sum it up in a, uh, a minute or two, um, over the last year or so, Laura and I have been on a journey kind of discerning and, and wondering uh, about this prompting, this, uh, this sort of thing that was bubbling up in us about church planting. And uh, long story short, we uh, feel like God's calling us to plant a church, and Berean is partnering with, with us to plant Solstice. Uh, and so that's what we're going to be discussing tonight and what that looks like. Um, before we do that, um, it was, I was watching one of my daughters who was sitting down here, and I don't know if you guys know that this is what happens, but... Um, it's a good reminder for me. You know, we think about uh, Jesus and church and, and what does it mean to follow Jesus and what does it mean to be a Christian, and we have particular methods that we try to achieve that goal, particular ways in which we try to teach kids, uh, you know, about Jesus and Sunday school and all that kind of stuff. And I watched my daughter, who was sitting in the front row, and she was turned around, not paying attention to anything that was up here, but she was watching one particular person who was just totally entering into worship and singing uh, with everything that they've got and dancing. And Dahlia was just watching, like just staring. And this person had their eyes closed. And, um, and in a moment, she's learning that this is what it means to worship. This is what it means to give yourself to God. This is what it means to enter into a community and say, uh, Jesus is important to me, and this is how we express that. Um, so for me, just a, a, a short little snippet uh, of something that I often forget, that um, it's not that hard. What does it mean to follow Jesus? Uh, parents, friends, family members modeling a uh, life of faith and a life of worship. And kids get that. Kids see that. And people around us get that and see that. Um, so I just wanted to share that with you. It had, I wasn't planning on it. It has nothing to do with anything. Um, but it was, it was neat for me. Um, so... Here's how we're going to do this tonight. Um, I hope, and, I, and, and, it's, uh, and I've been thinking a lot about this this week. Um, Dana, where are you at? Dana, are you somewhere over here? There's Dana, okay. And Lauren is where? There's Lauren. So you guys can just, that, that's Dana and Lauren. And uh, we wanted to get, um, we recognize that some people um, uh, aren't able to make it every week, but we're going to catch the podcast. And so please don't freak out about the whole microphone thing, but we want to make sure that your questions are heard. Uh, and we're just going to take some time to process and talk about uh, what does this mean and what are some of the questions that you guys have, what are some of the things that aren't clear, uh, and hopefully, um, towards the end of it, have a better idea as to really what this all means for us as a community. I want to start, though, and I want to start with a question that I anticipate coming, and I want to just um, jump in right there, and it's, and it's this. What kind of church will Awaken be? So if I could just take a moment to talk about vision and talk about, as I'm thinking and dreaming and God is... Uh, 
you know, leading Laura and I over this past year, and um, I spend all kinds of time daydreaming, all kinds of time driving and thinking, and what kind of church do I envision? What kind of group of people would this be? What would be the vision or mission of this church? So I want to just tell you a couple of things that I've been thinking about. Um, Awaken is obviously the name, and this comes from 2 Corinthians chapter... I think it's five or three. I always get them mixed up. But it's this, it's this passage where Paul says, Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead. Um, I want so badly for my life and for this church uh, to be a part of uh, the process where God actually is awakening in people's hearts the, the desire that they may or may not know that they have to know their creator, the one that made them and, and offers life to them. So first and foremost, awaken if you... Were, if you um, were to say, what's your mission statement or what's your vision statement, it would be this. To be a people awakened to God through Christ, demonstrating and announcing the way of Jesus in the world. So to be a people awakened to God through Christ, demonstrating and announcing the way of Jesus in the world. Uh, And we'll unpack this a little bit more as we go, but a couple of values that I think are really, really important, and uh, some of these are listed on the website and things like that, but I just want to talk a little bit about some of them. The first one is this idea of being missional. And we've talked about this before, but what does it mean to be missional? Uh, to be missional is essentially to say, we understand that everything that we do as a church, everything from the way in which we hand out uh, bulletins at the beginning, the way in which we worship together, the way in which we do children's ministry, the way in which we do everything comes from the fact that we love and serve a God that has sent us on mission. And it is connected to the mission that he has in the world. So if you were to back up and, and zoom out, the mission of God in the world is, a sim- is, is pretty simple, and it's essentially this, that he created the world, it went awry at Adam and Eve in the fall, he, he, he interacted and entered the story in and through Israel, and culminating in Jesus, offers a way by which redemption and restoration and the, and the reconciliation of relationship is possible. So the God that we see in the scriptures is a God who sends himself vicariously through Israel and obviously through Jesus and now sends the church on mission. It's essentially a partnership, an invitation that God gives to the church to say, would you partner with me as we move in and through the world for this, for this sake or this goal, which is the mission of God. Some people would call it the missio Dei. So to be missional is for us as a community to understand that everything we do comes from this. So the way in which, this has been so fun for me, I've been talking with the place we're going to possibly rent. The way in which we rent space is part of us being a church. It's part of us living missionally. And here's how this works. The guy's name is Ken. It's the Joke Joint Comedy Club. And Ken, as far as I can tell, doesn't know Jesus. But every single thing that we do, from the way in which we rent his space, the way in which we clean up the space after we use it, the way in which we interact with him, will be for Ken, this is what it means to follow Jesus. And so for us, we have to think missionally, and live missionally, and rent missionally, and exist missionally, because we've been sent by God on this mission, to partner with him. So to live missionally or to be a missional church is to keep all of those things in mind. So that's one of the things that will always, will always bang that drum, that will always be important to us. Uh, secondly, to be communal. The whole idea of the church is, 
is, is it comes from God. And so God, in, in the beginning of the Bible, in Genesis 1.27, I was actually just with some students the other night and we talked about this. Why does God say, we will create, let us create man in our own image? Because the very God that we see in Scripture is one who exists in eternal, perfect community. Father, Son, and Spirit. And so the very God that we serve and the very God who makes possible this thing called the church is one that relates to, it exists in community. And so for us, it makes perfect sense as the church. We will exist and we have to exist in community and to do this thing communally. Um, we believe that salvation, that this thing that Jesus offers on the cross actually brings people together to reflect the nature of this God. And so we will do this communally. This is, by the way, what we see at communion when we, when we celebrate the Lord's Supper. And if you read 1 Corinthians 11, that's exactly what Paul's getting at when he you know, hammers the Corinthian church about not doing it properly. It's all about community, and it's about doing this communally. So missionally, trans, or communally, transformational. And I talked a little bit about this last week, but at the heart and soul of what we want to be as a church is based on the fact that we believe that Jesus Christ changes people's lives. It's plain and simple, no ifs, buts, or ands about it. Jesus Christ and the power of the gospel changes people's lives. And so we believe, I expect and I'm praying for it daily, that God would actually change people's lives. That the people we come in contact with will, will find and come to know this Jesus in and through our actions, and they, their lives will be changed and transformed. I hope and I pray that we see people whose marriages are on the rocks become healed and they learn to love each other and, and live together as one. I pray that people who are addicted to things will be healed and their lives will be transformed. I pray that people who, who have lost hope and are desperate, their lives will be changed and transformed by the gospel of Jesus. And I believe with everything I've got that that's exactly what Jesus' news and, and the work of Jesus does in people's lives. So we're going to be all about transformation. Missional, communal, transformation, and incarnational. And this is so huge for us, particularly where we find ourselves right now in America, in the West, in evangelicalism. Because the model traditionally has been this. And this comes from, you guys remember Kevin Costner, Field of Dreams? What's the, what's the quote? If you build it, he will come, right? He's talking about Shoeless Joe Jackson. So translate to our, our scenario. If you build it, they will come. And there has been this idea that if you, if you build this church, if you build this building and you provide the, the, the programs and services that the church does, that people will come because there's just a sort of natural desire for people to want to know who God is and, and church is the place to find it. We live in what people are calling a post-Christian and post-modern world. Post-Christian essentially says that the, 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 the story on the street, the one that everybody knows, is no longer the story of the Bible. Whereas if you had gone back 50 years and you had said, um, do you believe in God? The referent would have been the God of the Judeo-Christian story found in the Bible. This is no longer the case. And so for you and for me and for a church that wants to make a difference in the world and be a part of what God's doing, it has to, it must, and, it, and we will be incarnational in the sense that we will incarnate the message, the love, the life of Jesus as we live our lives. And so no longer will we say, if you build it, we, you know, or, or if we build it, will you come? But we will go to where the people are. We will go to those places, common spaces that people live, breathe, eat, 
do restaurants, do coffee, do family, and we will be the hands and the feet of Jesus in the world, incarnationally representing who Jesus is. So those are a couple of things that as I think about and as I dream of what would a church look like, those are things that are, that are, that are dear to my heart, and I think that it's uh, absolutely paramount that a, that a church in our context and in our day has to do. All right? So that's just a kickoff. Uh, um, there's probably more questions related to that. But why don't we go ahead and let's, let's open it up for Q&A. So Dana and Lauren, and uh, anything goes on this. You know, nuts and bolts, like what, what about children's ministry, uh, all these kinds of things. We want to be honest and transparent and open and hopefully informative. So I'm going to take a seat on the stool here. And uh, if you have questions, just get one of their uh, attentions and we'll go. Uh, so here we go. There we go, Carrie. So I saw that it says that it's um, covenant community. Yes. Yep. So that means to me that it's, and I don't know that people are at solstice because it's a Baptist denomination sure. community or not. Right. Um, I am, but that doesn't mean everybody else is. And so that's where my questions are. And I, so I, I read about covenant and what it means, and it's, you know, Sounds along the same lines yep. as Baptist. I guess the difference to me would be, um, I think, uh, female pastors being mm -hmm. okay. So some of the, the government kind of stuff. Yep. And so I guess that's my big question. Yep. How will that, will that affect people's choice to go? And I also sure. don't know where it's going to yep. be. Okay. Well, let's, let's, uh, let's flip it. I'll do the easy one first. Where? Uh, the location we're looking at is, uh, if you can all imagine... Uh, north on 35E, uh, you'll cross over 494 and like 55, 110, and right before you get to the river is Highway 13, before you cross over the river bridge there. Um, that is the, the intersection. Uh, the, the location we're looking at is a comedy club that's about a quarter of a mile east of that intersection. So it's right on Highway 13. Uh, if you go out the back side of the comedy club, you fall off the bluff into the river. Okay, So it's right there, and, and it's in... Can, it's technically Lilydale. Uh, it's close to Mendota, like historic Mendota, Mendota Heights, uh, West St. Paul, Cherokee Heights kind of neighborhoods. So that's the location. Uh, um, Katie, can you bring up the, uh, the covenant piece? Uh, I made, we made a couple slides because I anticipated what this, this, this question. So what is the evangelical covenant? Here's um, kind of the background from it. So let's go to that next one. And it's black. <laughs> That's okay. Don't worry about it. We don't need screens anyhow. Uh, no, I, 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 I think I've got a pretty good idea. So here's, and if I don't, we're in deep trouble. <laughs> uh, the covenant is, is uh, let me back up and give you a bit of the history and then uh, some of the specifics that are related to theology. So historically, the evangelical covenant, one, the Baptist General Conference, which is now Converge Worldwide, two, and the Evangelical Free uh, Church denomination. Those three denominations all come from the same historic uh, immigrant move, which was essentially Scandinavian immigrants who were uh, kind of uh, revival in Sweden that broke out, and they were essentially seeking to find uh, religious freedom and from a dead state church in Scandinavia. So they came here, moved to the Midwest, and so 
as you talk about denominations, or if you talk with people who know a lot about denominations, these three are often, con- or they talk about it as the three sisters, or three cousins, because they're so close, uh, historically. Theologically, they are also very, very close. There are um, a couple of, of key things that will differentiate between the two. The evangelical free church would essentially say uh, immerse, uh, adult immersion baptism and uh, women in leadership or uh, women pastors would not be something that they would do. The Baptist General Conference would say uh, adult immersion baptism and depending on what church you're in in the BGC, each church decides how they interpret Paul's stuff in Timothy and in, in, the, in the epistles about the role of women in the church and the role of women in ministry. So our particular church, Berean, has taken the position that uh, I think Roger would call it um, complementarian, which is essentially mutuality and equality uh, in, the, in, in the marital relationship. But as far as the church is concerned, uh, in the roles of women in the church, that women would not have lead pastor roles or head teaching roles or would not serve as elders in the church. Okay? The covenant uh, on the issue of baptism would say adult immersion baptism and it's a little bit more connected to Lutheranism than the other two as far as historically. And so they would say, uh, if you're going to be a covenant pastor, you, would, you have to agree to do, uh, skip to the next one there if you would. You have to agree to, uh, to do not only infant ba- or adult baptism, but infant baptism. And the tricky part about this is when you're talking about the covenant, uh, one thing that's very, very important for the covenant is to say that salvation is not connected to baptism, okay? So, uh, whereas in a, in a maybe a, a mainline denomination, there's there's this idea of that grace is uh, sort of installed upon a child at the font of baptism, and that this gift of grace and faith is given, and that sort of works itself out as they grow up. The covenant would say that it's a, it's a decision to follow Jesus, and so. By baptizing infants, essentially what happens is, uh, if, if you've ever seen a baby dedication in our church, it's essentially a baby dedication with water, is what it, the, how they would view that theologically. That's sort of the layman's terms with that. So I want to be very clear that uh, it is not connected to salvation, and, uh, and a person makes that decision uh, to follow Jesus, and that's separate from baptism. Okay? So that's one major difference. And the other major difference would be that in the covenant... Uh, you would have to essentially uh, allow, and it's called the e- egalitarian position on this issue, as far as the role of women in ministry and the role of uh, women in governing the church. Um, and they would allow for women to be pastors, and they would allow for women to serve as elders. And basically what you, what, what's, how, that, how you get there is, uh, when you take Paul's letters and what he wrote to the churches, um, the hermeneutical move or the interpretive move that's made that differentiates itself would be to say that what Paul said in, let's say, for example, uh, Ephesians, uh, is essentially connected to culture and not necessarily connected to the church, church governance structure ad infinitum for the rest of history. So what Paul says to the church is, for the sake of the gospel, for example, in the town of Ephesus, there's a cult called the Artemis cult. And within the Artemis cult, there, uh, the, the women are the priests and the prophets. And they essentially, it was a, a fertility cult, and so uh, it was a sexual cult. And the, the priests and priestesses would lord their power and authority over the men. Okay? So within the context of the church in Ephesus, Paul says, for the sake of the gospel, don't let your women 
serve in that function because if they do, the people who are on the outside looking in will assume that you are the same as the Artemis cult. And so Paul says, not because women don't have the gift of teaching or the gift of evangelism, that's not the issue because it's obvious that they do. But he would say, for the sake of the gospel, don't do that because of the context and culture that you're in. So that's just, and you, I, I could do a whole message on this, and obviously we don't have time, but that's just a snippet of the, the interpretive move on, on how the covenant would interpret that and how many BGC churches interpret that as well. So that one, are, those are the two major differences between the denominations. Does that answer your question? Okay. Me personally, uh, when I was going through the process of being hired at Berean as a pastor, uh, you go through a vetting process where you put your statement of faith and your doctrine and all that kind of stuff. And uh, essentially, that's my position on women in ministry and women in leadership. That's how I would interpret those passages. And so when I went uh, through, the, through that with the pastors, I made that clear and said, uh, this is not a hill I'm willing to die on. And if and when I would get to a passage that dealt with that, I would defer to Roger or one of the other pastors uh, to teach that in our context. So for me personally, um, yes, I, I would agree and affirm an in, in egalitarian role of women in ministry. So, good question. Very good question. Others? Yeah, over here. Oh, hang on. <clears throat> So are you? Are there still going to be any like solstice masses or like services here, or is it just going to be all at the other location? Good question. Um, essentially, we will meet through the end of June. June 27th will be uh, Commitment Sunday or and or Celebration Sunday, and after June 27th, Berean will no longer have a Sunday evening service. Um, the thinking behind that, or the reasoning behind that, was solstice has been here for about six years. Uh, it's gone through three major leadership changes. And historically, if you look at each of those, I've been here the longest and, and, and have uh, invested the most as far as just this community. Uh, and it was the, the, the decision of the elders, and, and I agree, that for me to say uh, we feel like God's calling us to do this and to go, that there would be a number of people for whom Solstice is your church and I'm your pastor and who would say we want to be, be a part of that. Uh, so much so that to, to try to rehire and keep Solstice going uh, just didn't seem like a very wise use of, of resources and funds, especially if we're going to support what's, what's new and, and what we're doing with Awaken. So after June 27th, Berean will no longer have a Sunday night service. Now, I will say that for many of you guys, this is not going to be a move that's going to be feasible, whether geographically uh, or, or for other reasons, and you may stay. And I just want to really encourage you that uh, Berean is not giving up on reaching uh, the coming generations. Um, Berean is... is working through some of the implications of what this looks like as far as reassimilating people uh, into the life of Berean, uh, either at 9, 10.30, or the venue services. Um, so there will be more on that, and I would be more than happy to sit down and talk with you guys and walk through what that might look like if that pertains to you. Um, but I want to make sure that, that that gets noted. So good question, though. So July 1st will be the, the official beginning of Awaken. And if you got one of the packets, there's a schedule of events and, and kind of a uh, what you see is basically the, the covenant method for planting churches laid out in a, in a 9 to 12 month period there. So we can get more to that if you want to. Other questions? Yeah. Oh, 
Okay, regarding the schedule, yep. and I'll use July as the example on the back, it only has two Sundays noted as a gathering event. Mm -hmm. Would you only meet twice a month, or those are like a focused event? Yep. Um, Katie, do you want to go to the, uh, what is what is it, uh, what will gathering events look like, I think? Yeah, there we go. Um, so, actually, why don't you skip to the next one? The uh, I don't know what it is on yours. Sorry. <laughs> next time I plant a church and do this, I won't. I won't put transitions in the PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> Sorry about that. Well, what's the next slide there? There you go. That's the one I want to see. Perfect. What will we do with no worship services for three to four months? So, in the calendar, the first pro or the first phase of, of church planting in within the covenant denomination is what they call launch team gathering. And here's why this is so important. Uh, many of you may have looked at that and said, "Well, we don't actually have services until October. So, when are we going to start having church?" Um, to which I would just back the truck up and say, "Let's define what church is." And it's not worship services, okay? Theologically, the church is us. It's a people group, okay, who are missionally involved in what God's doing in the world. Now, our particular context and culture, we have, we have, we always associate that with what you experience on a Sunday, uh, you know, worship and a, a message and some announcements and maybe some baptisms and maybe the Lord's Supper, and that's what we say church is. But I just want to uh, maybe put this bug in your ear at the beginning. This is going to help us take a real hard look at what we believe about church. Um, so the launch team gathering time is a three to four month process. And here's what's really important about that. It's a critical time for us to gather as a team because we're going to be starting something new. And so there will be people who, who will come to this who are not a part of Solstice that you have never seen before. Uh, family members that we know, uh, other connections from other places, networks of people that we've been talking to. So this is an opportunity for us to come together as a launch team and bond to, to find out more about who we are as a group and, um, and to get to know each other, to really be a community that is, is deeper than, I may know your name, but I don't really know anything else about you. So that's one, and it's really critical that we do that as a launch team, because what we're about to do is, I've been told by many people who plant, they've said, Micah, this is the hardest thing you will ever do. It's the most rewarding thing you will ever do, but it will be the hardest. It will require more of you than anything you've ever experienced in ministry. So what we're doing is huge, and it takes a ton of work and a ton of prayer, and for us to really get to know each other and bond as a, as a launch team and as a core team, the core team would be like the core leadership team. Uh, that's what one of the things it does. It also allows us the freedom and flexibility to engage the people that we hope will come to know Jesus in the community that we worship in. So during launch uh, gathering events, we will be doing a couple of different things. We'll always have an opportunity to hear the vision of the church. There will always be an opportunity um, for uh, a, a, some sort of response to that whether it be, yes, I want to be a part of the launch team, or I want to get more involved in leadership, or I want to support it, but I'm not going to attend. So there will always be a call for response. Um, there will most likely, uh, or at some of them, there will be times of worship where we'll have music and we'll sing together. There will be uh, times when I teach and we do some sort of Bible study. Um, there will also be other times when we serve in the community. So one of the things I'm working on right now is 
what are the needs in this community? Who are the people who are meeting those needs? And how can we help? How can we saddle up next to them and say, in the name of Jesus, this is who we are and why we want to serve. So there may be opportunities for us to... to uh, uh, one idea we've had is Project Foodstock, which you, some of you have heard about. It's essentially... Um, if you're familiar with lupus, where they come and they say, we're going to come back in a week, and if you want to put clothes out, you can donate them. That's essentially what Project Food Stock is, and we would, we would help keep the, the, the food shelves in West St. Paul stocked. So we may go out on, a, on a, the day of a launch team gathering event and send our church out into the community to say, hey, we're from Awaken. Uh, we're a new church in the community, and we think that people who don't have enough food is tragic, and Jesus would have a problem with that, and so we want to do something to change that. Uh, we'll be back uh, two weeks from now, and uh, we're going to collect food, and we're going to help uh, bring that to, to the food shelves. That's one idea. So there's going to be multiple ways we can do that. So launch team gathering events, um, they will be every other week, and then we will have some things in between those weeks that may look like, you know, on assignment, kind of out in the community type things. Um, but those are just the big dates when we'll meet at the park that's up the street, uh, weather permitting, and uh, we'll probably always have food. Uh, and some of those are some of the things that will happen at gathering events. Does that kind of answer your question? So yep. it does. A second question might just be: um, Do you have a time frame? I know you want to try to meet in the morning. Will those events be in the morning as well? Yeah, um, they will most likely be uh, morning to mid afternoon, probably around lunchtime. Um, that that the place that we're going to be actually uh, gathering in if I can sign that and pray about that this week, that we get this. But um, they have a stand-up uh, open mic comedy night on Sunday night, so we can't meet on Sunday nights. So we will meet in the morning. Uh, when we eventually get to the space, we'll gather weekly. In between there, it'll be late uh, morning, mid-afternoon. And those will be, you know, as we plan them and as we get more details on that, we'll push that out through different channels. Thank you. Okay? Other questions? Yeah, in the back there. I think that may be Stuart, possibly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just wondering, what have you thought about what you need uh, as far as physical materials or prayer? Yeah. Uh, what do you need from the community? Very. Thanks for asking that. Um, one of the ways that we're acting missionally uh, as renters is uh, this particular venue has a pretty basic sound system. So in, in my proposal with Ken, I've said, we can't give you, you know, what the going rate is to rent this space, but here's what we want to do to help. I want yours, your comedy club to be the best comedy club around. I want you to succeed, and, and we want to bless you by being here. So uh, if we could add to your sound system and make it better, and make it sound better, we'd love to do that, which will also allow us to do full band stuff. So we're going to need sound equipment. Uh, uh, lights, I've said, you know, you've got a halfway decent light, rig here we'd love to make that better put it all on a light board so you can control it from one space we'll leave it here you can use it during the week for the comedy clubs and we'll use it on the weekends uh, they don't have any projection so we're going to need a screen and a projector uh, and I've said we'll, we'll install it you can use it uh, and we'll use it on the weekends so that's one area just nuts and bolts uh, next door to the, the actual facility we're hoping to be in uh, will be our kids space and that's being rented from the owner of the whole uh, you know, commercial space, uh, and it's going to need some work. So if you know how to sheetrock, if you know how to lay carpet, if you know how to paint, uh, again, in, in part of the, I can't pay you top dollar for what this is worth, but no tenant improvement needed. We'll do all the work, uh, and we'll make it uh, good enough for our kids. Uh, so that's going to be necessary probably late August, early September. Uh, prayer. Um, 
I don't want to shuffle sheep. I don't want this to be a, a whole bunch of people who had a bad experience at their church and who come to ours. Uh, that may happen, and that's fine. But we're setting out on this journey because we want to see people's lives changed, and we want to see uh, people transformed by the gospel of Jesus. So that's going to put us in really uh, tough spots at places. Um, we're going to be, hopefully, in contact with people who are broken and whose marriages are uh, in shambles, uh, who may be addicted to things. So pray that God would not only put us in contact with people, but that he would send the Spirit of God with us to be the hands and feet of Jesus when we get there. Uh, pray that people come to know Jesus. Uh, pray that uh, in order to make this work, there is going to be... Um, the bar is going to be raised for you guys as far as your involvement. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be pushing you to know what your gifts are, know what your passions are, and ask you how are you serving and how are you using them for the kingdom's cause, whether that's specifically at Awaken, you know, on the weekend or elsewhere. But um, So pray for leaders. Pray that God would raise up leaders who want to uh, get engaged and get involved and lead this thing. Um, I've, Laura and I have talked about this, and I'll tell you this tonight. I'll tell you it uh, many times again. This church is not my number one priority. Uh, my family is my number one priority in life. Uh, God, my family, and then this church. So I will not sacrifice my family or my relationship with my kids or my wife for this church, which means that you all are going to have to help. This is a community thing. This is a communal thing. I have a gift in leadership and in teaching, and I will exercise that gift until I am blue in the face, but I cannot do it all, and my wife will not do it all. She'll tell you what she can do, and she won't do what she won't do. So that means there's going to be all kinds of ways for you guys to step up and take the ball on things. If you have gifts in leadership, I'm going to ask you to lead. If you have gifts in prayer, I'm going to ask you to pray. If you have gifts in evangelism, I'm going to ask you to share. If you have gifts in hospitality, I'm going to ask you to be hospitable. Uh, because that's, what the, that's why the Spirit gifts the church. Because I, 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 I believe that the, the gifts that are necessary to do what God's calling us to do are present and will be present with the people that are there but it's going to require you to actually exercise them. So uh, in America, that's a hard sell. <laughs> Give up your life for the sake of the gospel. Lay your life down, sacrifice yourself for the other. Um, for the sake of people who don't know Jesus, that's what we're going to be about. So that's a, a couple of things that I would ask you to pray about. Good question. What else? Do you want to touch on worship and like would be rotating pastors where we have one? Yep. Um, so at Solstice, we've had a worship co-op, which has essentially been a number of worship leaders that rotate through on a regular basis. Um, you know, and it's been wonderful. I don't know about you guys, but I have loved and been blessed by each of the worship leaders that has led us. Uh, I love the, the variety uh, and, the, and, and the different gifts that they each bring. Um, I... I I don't think we've really settled on a model for how we'll do worship uh, in, the, in the new plant. Um, it may be that we have, and, and financially, you, obviously, uh, if you've read the packet a little bit, you should know that we can't start with multiple staff at a church plant. Um, the commitment that we have over three years is $150,000, two-thirds coming from the covenant, one-third coming from Berean. The rest of the funds that will make up our, 
operating budget, which will cover my salary, uh, rental, and any budget, you know, program things that we need will be from that pool and tithes and offerings and any other resources that we can raise. So we can't go into it on the front end with a full-time worship leader and a full-time children's ministry person. So I'm guessing that that's going to look like uh, multiple worship leaders or a part-time worship leader who is uh, our worship leader but not a full-time staff person. Uh, And same with children's ministry. Uh, We will hopefully have somebody who who will be our children's ministry coordinator, uh, whether or not that's a a paid part-time position at the beginning that hopefully will grow. Uh, Those are all things that are... We'll cross those bridges when we get there, when we see what kind of budget we have to, to, to steward and, and, and resource with. So our plan is to do children's ministry just like we've done it at Solstice, birth to third grade uh, at, at the new site when we get there. And during launch team uh, gathering events, uh, hopefully our, our core team will be made up of the, the people who really take key leadership roles. One of those people will be a children's ministry person, and that person will help figure out our plan for what do we do with kids during the launch team gathering events and and all that kind of stuff so other questions anything else yeah yep uh the question is why that location um a couple of couple of thoughts on that and I, I think we may have a slide on that one katie maybe why the why the location there you go why why st paul not berean um here's a couple of things first and foremost uh and i don't really know how to explain this other than the fact that i feel like god has led laura and i there um we have driven around all kinds of neighborhoods all kinds of different places um so god has been working in our heart and we just feel and have this overwhelming sense that this is home and this is where we need to be. This is where God's calling us to be. Um, one of the things that, that has been talked about at Solstice is the DNA and ethos of Solstice, just who we are as a community. Um, I've been told that it feels like this would fit better in an urban setting or a more urban setting. And I would tend to agree with that. Uh, that would be another reason. Uh, moving out of Berean allows us uh, an optimal time. Uh, so we've wrestled with Sunday night or Sunday morning. Um, so why not do it here and keep doing solstice? Uh, one of the things that, as I've studied and researched Sunday night communities and, and Sunday night churches within churches, the ones that really have worked and grown and seen God move are kind of an anomaly. You know, I think of the upper room. There really isn't another example of that around. The, the norm is what we have right here, uh, a smaller group of people who, uh, um, whether or not Sunday night is the best time uh, in our culture and in our context, I think Sunday morning, if people are going to go to church, especially people who don't know Jesus, uh, if they think, you know, I'm going to visit a church, it's Sunday morning. So it gives us access to prime time. Uh, moving out of here, gives, it creates an, an, a healthy desperation for us, and it makes evangelism a top priority for us. By moving into a, a new location, uh, this is going to sound maybe really not crass, but uh, we've got three years to make this thing w- s- support itself. Uh, and if it doesn't, then uh, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But in order for this to work, we're going to have to actually see people come to know Christ. And we're going to have to do the work of evangelism. Whereas for Solstice in its history, it just has never been, uh, uh, there's never been a sense of desperation. 
So moving us there creates that. It forces us to do that. And it forces us to do the whole incarnational and missional expression of what a church is. And it, it, it's a must for us to be in that location. So those are a couple of reasons why we feel like that's uh, um, where we want to be. I will say we really wrestled with, do we just go f- like into the heart of St. Paul or a little bit further outside of St. Paul? And we chose the location we chose because uh, I, I pray and have been praying that many of you, uh, that God calls you to join us. And I feel like the location that we've got is close enough to St. Paul. It gives us access to the kind of communities and neighborhoods we want to be c- close to, but it's all freeway time and it's accessible to people who live here for the most part. So that's why we're not like right on Grand Avenue by St. Kate's and McAllister. So over here, Carrie. And so I know that when it, you know, everything's new, we're not going to have a lot of resources and funding for this, but do you have a vision for um, small group kind of, because I think that's so, so important in just the community, like for the teenagers, I know we don't have a ton, but as solstice, Mm -hmm. you know, our teens are, if they are involved with Berean in the morning, Mm -hmm. then they have a place to go and meet and, you know, fellowship together. But that's going to take that, you know, whatever families go there, they don't have that option. And, and, you know, besides children's ministry, even like, you know, women and men and teens, stuff like that. And do we have the space that you're in can we use that building on, say, a Wednesday night or yeah. Thursday? Um, good question. I'll tackle it on a couple of different fronts. Um, I would say, first and foremost, uh, Berean is uh, our partner in ministry. And there are things that Berean is going to be able to offer that we will not be able to offer uh, when we start this thing. Uh, and I want you to be able to tap into those things. And the leadership of Berean wants you to be able to tap into those things. So if it's Awana for kids on Wednesday night, if it's youth group on, on Wednesday night for, for, for teenagers, um, please don't feel like there's going to be any kind of animosity or territorialness between me and, and you know the leadership of Awaken and the leadership of Berean. We're in this together. And if there are things that Berean can do and help and stand in the gap uh, in the meantime, then please, please take advantage of those resources. Um, as far as small groups, there's a couple of things that we have to do well right off the bat. Uh, a, a worship experience, uh, statistics would say that what you do in a worship experience is really important. And so we'll invest time in teaching and vision and, and worship as we gather. Uh, children's ministry. So we'll invest time and energy and resources into children's ministry. Families aren't going to come back if, our, if their kids are in danger. <laughs> uh, assimilation and connection. And I would, connect, I would, I would I'd add to that small groups. So how we actually um, break up a larger group into small groups will be ways in which, or that will be space that we spend time and energy and effort uh, into. So what that will look like, um, we've kind of chosen the off-site model at Solstice, and so really none of our small groups meet here, and I'm, I, I like that. Uh, it forces you to do faith in the places that you live instead of coming to the church to do faith. Uh, some of them meet in coffee shops, some of them meet in restaurants, some of them meet in homes. I, I like, love the feel of that. And so the efforts that we do for small groups will be off-site most likely, but we do have access to the building if we want to rent it on a special night for some special event or, or something. So those are uh, small groups will definitely be an area that will invest time and energy and, and put leadership towards in the first year. Absolutely. 
Other questions? Yeah, Jess, over here. <coughs> Getting your half marathon workout. <laughs> um, in talking about who you want to reach, you mentioned cultural creatives. Yeah. So I was just wondering if you can kind of expand on that and the plan to reach that realm of people. Yeah, um, cultural creatives in the in the document that we that we gave out is a a moniker a, a name that uh, it's written by a, a sociologist and I think a psychologist, and they basically have uh, entitled this book like 50 ways that cultural creatives are changing the world, and it's essentially this um, it's a non-Christian or a non-church version of what church pe people in the church are calling the emerging generations. So it's, uh, it's, it's, and it has to do with the shift between modernism and postmodernism. So it's this group of people that are, that are bubbling up and, and actually becoming leaders in our culture and in our country who are um, not steeped in modernism, but who maybe grow up or, or who see the world through a more postmodern view. Now that's not to say that I don't want to get into a debate on whether or not modernism and postmodernism is a good thing, but cultural creatives is, is connected to this growing group of people in our country who see the world differently, who think differently. Some of the, I don't have the, the document in front of me, um, but this, the research that they did say they value community. Uh, they value uh, a holistic perspective of something like faith. So faith isn't something that just occupies this section of my life, but faith has an impact on all of my life. And so they approach faith from a holistic perspective. How does faith uh, interact with my, how I vote, how I eat, how I spend my money, how I... So that's what I mean by holistic. Um, those are just a couple of uh, maybe um, ways in which they describe these folks. So how are we going to reach these people? I think a lot of the ways that we do church and we express ourselves as solstice um, have been efforts to do that, have been efforts to, to play in that space or to reach that group of people. Um, the whole incarnational piece, uh, I plan on knocking on doors in this community, and I hope that many of you will join me. Um, I plan on our church being present at events that happen in this community where these people gather. Um, not necessarily to pass out tracts and share the gospel, but to say, we are, uh, we're from Awaken, we follow Jesus, and uh, what, what are we doing here? Uh, we're having a festival for this? All right, how do we help? How do we join in? So I plan to, to lead us into uh, opportunities and spaces where we, will have to, where we will build relationships with these people. And one of the things that I've uh, wanted for myself and for anything that I lead would be that we work at building bridges that bear the weight of truth. So if we talk about this gospel, it's a weighty deal, it's a big deal, and it, and it has huge comp, uh, consequences and implications on people's lives. And I believe that that's best shared in the context of relationship. So how do we get into the spaces and, and actually become friends with and relate to the people who own the bike shops up the hill, who own the coffee shops down the way, who lead the community events, and, and that will hopefully earn the right to be heard, earn the right to share the gospel. When First Peter says, always be ready to give reason for the hope you have, but do it with gentleness and respect. So uh, if I could say it in one word, I would say relationally. Um, but that's a long answer to a short question. Sorry. Maybe a couple more. If you guys still have questions, I want to be able to... Yeah. Aaron. First question is, can we um, like email you the rest of our questions? Because I have like 10 questions and I want to take up the whole time. <laughs> Absolutely. I, okay. Or we can go have coffee either way. Okay. We'd love to. Um, just going off of the um, 
the uh, small groups that she asked. Mm -hmm. um, right now, solstice is through third grade. Mm -hmm. um, will that ever get to be older children, like eventually after we get the foundation? Yeah, I would hope so, absolutely. Okay. Yep. Um, and then uh, the, the small groups too, there was a question about that. Mm -hmm. um, as far as like about like Berean's um, adult Bible mm -hmm. fellowships, yep. it's a big thing for me. Like I love doing the home things. We've mm -hmm. had people from Solstice over to our house. We've gone over to their house. We love that. We have a table of six that we do in home builders where we have dinner with other couples in the group yep. and get to know them better. But as far as like just a small group learning more of God's word mm -hmm. with childcare for me is really important because I have three kids and I cannot focus sure. on learning stuff when my kids are running around and screaming. I've tried to do I tried to do that at a church that we used to attend and it was very unproductive. Yeah. And that's one of my concerns. Um, I guess that would be my first question, and then I have another question too. Okay. Um, I would say to that. Uh, there, um, there may be some things that we can't do at the beginning, and that may be one of them. Um, so I would encourage you to connect to Brian in those ways. Uh, and, and this is a community thing, and so if there are needs and, and uh, things that, that people are looking for, then we'll bring those up. And if we can get people to lead them and people to watch kids, awesome, we'll do it. Um, but I wouldn't say that there's a uh, right off the bat that that's a goal to have. So... <coughs> um, and then also um, the challenge is to um, target the de-churched and people that are far from God. That was like in the main mission. Mm -hmm. And I am so for that. I, I think that is great, and I want to be a part of that. On the same note, how will um, you continue or we continue as a church to learn as Christian, sure. a, as mature yep. Christians, you know what I mean, yeah. so that we're not, I mean, I know the salvation message. I know it's important to continue to, to talk about that, yep. to teach people yep. who are unbelievers that, <clears throat> but about the mature Christians. Yeah. Um, I would say uh, what you guys experience on Sunday nights uh, as far as how we do worship and what I teach, um, you know, I'm not, I don't plan on getting a, like a personality change between here and there. So I mean, you'll, if you know me and, and you've enjoyed Solstice and you feel like you're learning here, then you will continue to do that uh, in, in a new space. Um, the, the, the reaching, you know, de-churched and people who maybe have had difficult experiences with churches won't necessarily be, we're going to become a seeker-sensitive church, and so what we do in a worship gathering will be all for people who don't know Jesus. Um, I'm a big believer that when we gather... Uh, this is the church of God that gathers, and we do so for to worship God, to encourage each other, and to learn about who God is. I think that when that's done well, it's actually evangelistic. It's actually something that's people who maybe don't know God look in and go, man, that's, that's actually interesting, uh, captivating. Uh, I want more of that. So um, I, I don't plan to dumb down anything that we do as far as church and scripture and what I teach. Um, the way in which we're going to reach those people is through relationships and through getting involved in things outside of our building, outside of Sunday night. So um, maybe for the sake of time, can we talk more uh, in emails? I'd, we'll, we'll keep going, totally, want to do that. Um, let's do one more, and then uh, Ben, if you guys want to make your way up, and we'll just close with that one tune if we could. I think that's Brian in the back there. Probably right. Um, 
<laughs> Micah, I just want to say first off, I I affirm everything you're saying. I agree with it completely. Um, and and in thinking about this myself, the one thought I've probably had more than about my family is is basically along the lines of church planting. I, I have a huge burden for that. My big uh, issue is more so a Berean issue, maybe mm-hmm. for Micah the Berean pastor. Mm-hmm. And that is um, uh, church is supposed to be, church is an organism. It's a living organism that is growing in this culture. And, and I feel like this was kind of an organizational thing, um, what I'm about to refer to. And that is... Um, we, my family and I have decided to make Solstice home, okay? Um, and you and I have sat down and had one-on-one conversations on several occasions, especially looking in the past year. Mm-hmm. But my issue is, why have we not been brought in the loop to pray with you, to support you, to, you know, whatever, as a congregation, as Solstice, as your team, your church, our home <coughs> and our family, why were we not brought in on the loop? And the, the reason I, I see this as an issue is because our home is packing up and leaving, and, and unfortunately, my wife and I have talked about this, and it doesn't seem feasible for us to, to, to be a part of it anymore. Another reason is, um, and this is why it's, I think, a Berean issue, who's to say they're not going to all of a sudden make a big change in the children's ministry or women's ministry, men's, or something like that, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yep. And, and so that's a a big concern of mine, and, and the reason I'm bringing this up is, you know, I think I've been involved in church plants before, um, and I've been involved in churches where they, you know, oh, we want to move our service to this side of town, sure. or we want to add on, or we want to make whatever, and you're always notified well in advance, we want to, we're thinking about doing this, we want to pray about it, we're having a board meeting, all this stuff, and, and, I, and I feel like we've get, gotten about a month notification. Yeah. So that's my question, yep. I guess, and I hope um, you have a good answer. You know, I would say, first and foremost, this has been uh, um, not an organizational move necessarily as much as it has been a, uh, a movement of God in Laura and I's heart. Uh, and <clears throat> when you're a part of a, uh, an organization that's as large as Berean, um, there are leadership choices that you make, and uh, in leadership I've learned that it doesn't matter what decision you make, um, there will always be somebody that that affects in a negative way. Um, and so you begin, you have to make choices for the, be, for the good of the whole. Uh, and so at, on this scale, in a church in, in, on this scale, uh, this has been processed and prayed through, uh, not just uh, by Laura and I, but with the elders, with some of the pastoral staff, uh, with many people who are outside of the solstice community. Um, that was a decision that was made because we didn't really know where this was going to go and didn't feel like it was a wise move to, to open up that can or open up that, that uh, yeah, open up that can uh, without having details in place or without having any kind of direction in place. Um, so that was a, 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 a leadership decision that we made, uh, and we feel like that was a, a wise decision that we made. Um, I know that that comes off, or you experience that, as we just found this out last week and, and in six weeks solstice will not exist anymore. Um, I, I understand uh, as much as I can that that's shocking and hard to swallow for some of you that for maybe it's not, it's not going to be feasible. Um, but 
I hope that you know me well enough to know that um, as much as I could, this process was done with integrity. And while looking back, we may say, you know what, if we could do it over again, maybe we would do that differently. Um, all the decisions that were made were done uh, with prayer, uh, with the counsel of many, not just one, and, uh, and with humility. Uh, and so that's about as best as I can do to answer that question, Brian. And I know it, it maybe doesn't do the, what you're feeling justice, um, but I hope that you can trust. I, 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 I believe that you trust me and my motives, and I, and I hope that that would translate to the process as well. So thank you for the honest question. I appreciate it. Um, we're going to close with, uh, with uh, a song, and I want to in- invite you guys to sing with us. Um, next week, we're going to start a series uh, that will be uh, working through um, the Israelites' journey from Egypt to the Promised Land and just how God led them. And so um, we'll kind of back to normal, I guess, if you will, next week, and, and for the next five weeks or so, uh, we'll be studying that. So I want to invite you to, to, um, to that. And if you want to, I uh, would encourage you to read the story of the Exodus. Great story. That's where we're going to spend our time. So let me uh, turn it over to Ben, and then uh, I'll close in prayer. Exalted He is exalted On high He is exalted For great is the Lord Let all the nations say exalted he is exalted